The following program contains discussion of content some listeners may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we are celebrating the upcoming International Women's Day by watching a film about women and indeed directed by a woman. This year, we are watching Frida, the biopic from 2002 about Frida Kahlo. Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is Katrina Johnston. Hi, Stephen. How you doing, Katrina? Oh, I'm not too bad. Uh, just for the folks at home, because I think this is your first one in 2022. It is. Um, just, just to remind the folks, uh, who are you, Katrina, and what do you do? Uh, I am I'm Katrina. I am a lighting designer who moonlights as an IT person to, you know, pay them bills. Um, and yeah. And the the Frida Kahlo movie, yes. uh, simply titled Frida. Mm. Um, what 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 do you know about this film specifically? Uh, not much, other than the fact that it inv- that it stars Selma Hayek. Um, very very little. I know a little bit more about Frida Kahlo herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that she was a surrealist artist, or at least involved in the surrealist movement, amongst other things, and that she was married to Diego Rivera. Um, and as an artist was kind of looked down upon in her lifetime and it wasn't really until uh, she died where her true um, genius was really appreciated because she was frequently eclipsed by her husband. Not through his fault, but just through general patriarchy. Mm, yeah. yeah. it's um, Yeah, I, I have a feeling that might be a running theme in, in this particular film uh, to have a look at. And, and yeah. Frida's, Frida's art... Um, I, I would presume that you are a fan of it or I don't know if it's an appropriate question to ask is um, it in your top five artists but <laughs> to to be honest n- not really because mm. it can be can be kind of disturbing in a sense uh, most of her artwork is uh, self-portraits mm. of a surrealist variety and it can it can reference some very disturbing things that happened to her in her lifetime mm. um, and so it can be quite confronting Whereas it's still very beautiful in its own way, but yeah, very surrealist. Okay, luckily for us, we have someone who has seen this film. It is Murray Jackson. Hello, Stephen. Murray, for the folks at home, welcome to 2022. Uh, but who are you, Murray, and what do you do? Oh, Stephen, I'm a, uh, I'm a finance consultant, and I can uh, l- literally visualise people's eyes glazing over, uh, and a, a frustrated film viewer. Well, let's move on from the first uh, and move to the latter. Uh, the Frida Kahlo movie. Mm. Um, w- w- without spoiling anything, although mm. it's a biopic, um, uh, what can you tell us about this film? Well, uh, probably not a great deal, Stephen. I, th- I think I answered on the wrong film. I thought you were asking if I'd seen the Ice Cube film Friday. Oh. And uh, I-, I said, yes, yes, I have. Uh, no, seriously. Um, I saw this film probably around the time it came out, and I haven't watched it since. And it's not to say that's because it's a bad film. Um, I, my memories of it are that, you know, it was, it was uh, good entertainment um, in a uh, sort of a vicious, nasty way. Um, but it, it's just uh, one of those ones that sort of receded into, uh, into the, the nether regions of my mind. Uh, it is directed by Julie Tamer, um, who... Um, 
has done a number of Shakespearean adaptations, mm-hmm. so I should be quite familiar with her work. Uh, and, and, in fact, did Titus, which, you know, from memory is one of my favourite uh, um, adaptations of a, of a Shakespearean thing. Uh, yeah, with Anthony Hopkins and, and all unbounded cruelty in that particular film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, with regards to this, what I s- recall is um, the dynamic between Frida and Diego. And the performances are... From memory, very, very good. Um, I think Selma Hayek did everything she could to get the role of Frida. Uh, she was, I think, she was pretty determined that she was going to to, to play that role. And uh, Alfred Molina is always good to watch on mm. screen. So um, I think there will be you know, quite a bit to be taken out of his performance. Uh, thankfully, not uh, wearing his Doctor Octopus arms in this. Oh. <laughs> That's a different film altogether, Stephen. Okay. Uh, but um, yeah, it's. An, I think it, my memories of it are that it's a really interesting life to follow, uh, and it's um, yeah one of the better biopics of the early two thousands. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Frida? Indeed. Let's get our brushes out. Okay, for those of you uh, watching along at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to paint many, many self-portraits as we watch Frida. Welcome back, everybody. We've just finished watching Frida. And by we, I, of course, mean Mary Jackson. Thank you, Stephen. And Katrina Johnston. Hello. Katrina, that was your first time watching Frida. What did you think? Um, I'm struggling to put it into a concise sentence. Mm-hmm. Would it help if I gave you some canvas and you could just paint? <laughs> your yeah, answer? maybe, except I'm a terrible, terrible um, painter. Mm. Even though I did five years of specialised art programme... Um, and yeah, and because of that, well, actually not because of that, um, despite that, I should say, I am a terrible painter and drawer and things like that. Mm. So I went into the more the textiles, um, avenue, but it, yeah, it's, I think how the director and the whole team managed to capture her artwork and display it in in film, I think has worked really, really well. Mm. And in in so many ways, you learn so much about Frida Kahlo, but also not much at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's an interesting film. And Murray, mm. uh, you said that you probably hadn't seen it since it first mm. came out. How was it revisiting? Because this film is turning 20 years old this year. Mm. Mm. Oh, thank you for that, Stephen. Um, <laughs> how was it? Uh, yeah. I, I I I liked it as a film about mm. the the relationship, which you know, at times sort of made you very cross. And um, ultimately, I think with the you know the, the, the what they were trying to put across there is that they were both very much in love with one another mm. and very much in love with each other as as artists as well. Um, I, I felt it kind of it seemed to skip through the latter part of her life pretty quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they they got to a certain point. And they went, well, this is the important bit that we've we've got across, and and uh, well, I guess we'll just move on to her dying now. Yeah. Um, 
which yeah was mm. interesting. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a really strange film. I I hadn't seen it before either, but mm. I've seen some of Julie Tamel's other work, um, particularly the Titus Andronicus uh, mm. film with uh, with Tony Hopkins, and um, it's I don't think this is as captivating as that as that film was for me but of course it's very different doing a Shakespearean adaptation to doing a biopic of someone that has you know there are people who are still alive today mm. that remember Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera and all of these yeah. people that, that were around at that time um, I think it's quite good mm. if a bit dry yeah. I, like like I, I and it could just be we're watching this on a very pleasant Sunday afternoon and yeah. you know it can be it feels like it's a little bit of a sleepy film. I wouldn't to an I wouldn't say dry. I would mm. say um yeah, sleepy is the is a good analogy I think. Mm. Or, um meandering maybe. And I yeah. think because in a way they're trying to connect a through line of her life through her artwork. Mm. And and artwork in its it, it is almost like walking through a gallery in a sense of looking at so you go into one room and there's one painting and then you would see a scene almost mm. um of her life because her mm. paint which makes sense in one way because her paintings were so autobiographical yeah i mean it's it's very it's very well made like mm. and I, I certainly don't think it's it's a bad film in any way no. i was engaged almost the entire way there was a little bit and it would have been in the second era of the film where i found myself a little bit getting uh wanting the film to have a bit i closed my eyes a couple of times Stephen. we can can be honest here yeah Yeah, it was it was but but the the central sort of tenant to the film the central performances Hmm. are very good yeah Um, salma hayek is fantastic um and obviously in your biopics it's really important to get that central figure right and Mm. i think they absolutely nailed it. She, her performance in this is is really really strong. My my initial thoughts on this were that um, when I first saw it, that the relationship between her and Diego was portrayed that he was you know, that he was far more cruel than what he came across in the second viewing, or you know the the the, the time that we've just watched this now. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I've you know, may, maybe mellowed in my judgment of people as I've gotten older. I'm not sure, but yeah, it seemed to me they were they were both in their own ways rather cruel to one another, weren't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously Alfred Molina, um, who continues to be a fantastic actor, um, mm. is is very very good as as yeah. Diego to the point where it did feel like at times this was more a film about him in that in those early. In the early part yes, of their relationship. I, I felt that as well, which yeah. I found a little bit disappointing because mm. I'm like, she is such an interesting figure in her own right. Mm. And obviously it makes sense because I think even she said throughout her life that Diego, her relationship with Diego was one of the most important, mm. um, not only emotionally, but I think artistically as well. Mm. Um but yeah, it did feel more like it should have been titled Frida and Diego, um, yeah. which is a bit frustrating. But maybe there, maybe I don't know, having not read a huge amount about the two, but maybe their lives were so entwined yeah, that, that, that it's is impossible to tell her story without his yeah. story and yeah. his influence on her. Um, and yeah. vice versa. Um, I mean, they, they did, I think, make it 
clear in the picture that he had a, enormous admiration for her mm. as, as an artist and that might have been one of the things that really attracted him to her. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think I think you're right in that. Um, but also, and yes, I think a lot of the discussion, academic discussion about Frida Kahlo is very, like you can't ignore Diego Rivera because mm. they're just so closely entwined. Um but yeah, it's it's mm. I, may, maybe it's one of those maybe it's one of those like feminist nitpicky things of me because mm. you although relationships uh, relationships with men are important and were clearly important to her, I would have really been keen to explore not only her family um, and what grew out of that environment that growing up, but also her bisexuality. Which was they brushed over that a which fair was bit, shown. didn't they? Mm. Yeah, they, but I, I'm, I'm with but you. Yeah. I'm with you on this. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, what I read of her mm. was that, she, you know, she had many affairs, many yeah. affairs, and she didn't necessarily wasn't too concerned about whether they were men or women. Mm. Although I think it, she went on record saying, you know, she she erred towards enjoying the company of men more than women, but. Mm. You're right. They yeah. just, they sort of, well, okay, they didn't hint at it. It was there on screen. Yeah. But they... They didn't yeah. delve into no, it. they didn't delve into it. Like, there yeah. probably yeah. would have been very important relationships that she had with women, with mm. the exception of her sister. That That's the only one that they really delve into. Mm. And then it's very abruptly cut off because of the, of it intersecting with her relationship with Diego. Yeah. I think it's, um, maybe it's because yeah. she had such an interesting... Life in, in that in mm. in terms of the number of characters she she encountered along the way. Yeah. I mean, in addition to Diego Riviera, you know, here's Leon Trotsky, everybody. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I think they were trying to shoehorn as much of that in as possible. Yeah. It, it could also be with, with this film being twenty years old as well. Mm. I feel as though that if you were making a Frida Kahlo biopic this year. Mm. Um, Probably starring Anna Taylor Joy because she just seems to be in everything. Oh, I really hope Zendaya. not. Surely be Zendaya. I really, or yeah. Really, yeah. It would, it would, it would be a, a, an act of appropriate ethnicity. It's just yeah. every film I see at the moment seems Anna Taylor Joy's in it, and I just yeah, had this she's image. She's great. But... She's great, but she's not Frida. <laughs> yeah. But I feel as though if, if you are making a Frida Kahlo film today, mm. sans Anna Taylor Joy, mm. it would be much more focused on, I think those other relationships yeah. because one because this film exists mm. and because this film is focused so heavily on the relationship between Frida and Diego but secondly I think there is more of uh, a perceived appetite from filmmakers or filmmakers are more aware of the yeah. appetite of people wanting to see non-heteronormative stories on film and so the idea of following Frida Kahlo and her bisexuality in mm. the early half of the 20th century would be a fascinating angle to sort of have as the through line in yeah. a Frida Kahlo story. And also then by at least not giving as much emphasis to her relationship with Diego is then it gives room to discuss her political ideas which were as strongly formed as well, Diego's. That's how they met. Yeah, there's mm. that, but also you notice how she is the only one with a monobrow. This may sound like a very 
weird tangent Mm -hmm. but that was a very specific choice she made in in her early years because it is a reference to the beauty aesthetics that were um that were anti-european and her style of dress she was the Sinead O'Connor of her time was she um not 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 really she was in some ways um a nationalist a nationalist is the wrong word because it brings up ideas of racism and things like that she was very pro mexican independence and and pro um realizing the whole the mexican cultural identity Mm. as being very separate from america and very separate from europe um that's why you see her she dresses so differently and that is all a political and cultural choice that she made very early on in her life Mm. which is it, it's it's window dressing in this film, which is a little bit disappointing. Did, did anyone else find... Because there's a fair amount of nudity in this. Yes. Did anyone else find that that was kind of jarring? It was... Suddenly it's like, we've been five minutes. Boobs. That'll hold them. They did feel a little bit shoehorned. Some, some of it did. So I, I, I found some of it when it was tied into the, the artwork that it was trying to represent on mm. screen. Uh, you know, like with Diego painting the the nude models, or yeah. where um, Frida's in the back brace and her breasts are exposed as mm. part of that, and it transforms into the artwork. Those those ones, I was like, oh yeah, but there were other ones which were definitely jarring. I found the um, the the very first one, the very I found first quite one, jarring. yeah, w- was quite jarring. But then again, I think it was also building this sense of these are sexy people doing sexy things yeah. a little bit. It it did feel like that, but some of it was definitely jarring, and some mm. of it, which we'll get into in the trivia section, um, was was um an, an issue with a certain well known producer of this film, uh, which uh, we'll be discussing a little later on. Mm. But yeah. it, it did it did seem very much from time to time. It's like we've been twenty minutes. We must now have some boobs on the screen. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the one that I found most jarring was seeing um Frida. Frida and Trotsky getting it on. Yeah. It's one because I just didn't know that those two even met, let alone got it on. Mm. Um, but I was just like, this, this just, no. Nobody Do we have see, to see this? Nobody wants to see Jeffrey Rush doing a Jeffrey push. <laughs> That's. Oh. Yeah, the bit I found the most jarring about that is when she goes to kiss him and she's trying to work out how do I get past the beard. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, look, Trotsky turning up in this film pretty pretty fun, pretty mm. pretty interesting. You know, they they did meet. Yeah. Um, it is highly likely that you know they got it on. Um, uh, no, apparently it is confirmed. Yeah. I was I was did a, a quick Google. Okay, whilst. but yeah, um, it was. I mean, it, it, she she is Frida Kahlo is, mm. is such a fascinating figure. Um, in in the sort of pantheon of like twentieth century artists and artists in general, yeah. That yeah, it it definitely warrants her life warrants biopic treatment, but I think it's maybe a testament to how interesting her life was that you There's could, ad- so much you could to adapt it so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this film did a pretty good job with the um, starting. Because it was framed around the relationship with mm. Diego, like we, when we first meet her as the schoolgirl uh, aged um, Frida, she's sneaking in to see um, Diego mm. painting a, a nude woman. And so the entire film sort of follows when they met to when they part when she's um, dying in 1954. Mm. And that is a really sensible decision i'd say for making a biopic about frida Kahlo, particularly because diego had such a massive impact on her life mm. 
But at the same time, there's bits where I'm like, oh, I want more of this. I want more of that. Yeah. But you could make a film about, you know, when Frida met Leon. And it's just about the Frida Kahlo Trotsky thing and how, mm. you know, their affair and Trotsky's wife finding out about it, forcing him to move and to a less safe place where he gets ice picked in the back of the head a few months later. You could make an entire film about that. And we cover it in maybe 20 minutes in this film. Well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You have Trotsky's death... Uh, which happened in 1940. She dies in 1954. And mm. in terms of the uh, on-screen time, there's about 15 minutes between the two. Mm. That's goes, 14 years of her life. Yeah, She's, goes, Trotsky, toes, dead. That, that, that's yeah. basically it. And yeah, it's, yeah I, I guess, you know, it was two hours. Mm. It was definitely long enough, but maybe yeah. we focused a lot on certain areas and maybe mm. less on others. The the On the one hand, I was about to say, the whole party scene and her doing the the dance with um, Ashley Judd's character. So I was like, I don't know that we needed that. But then, no, we kind of did. It introduced her to to showing that she was just as avant-garde as the Mm. rest of them. She was an equal amongst that very ego-driven crowd. And also showing her bisexuality. So that later in the film, when you find out her and Diego have both slept with the same woman, which is very funny and very Mm. very funny the way it's done, but it it doesn't come as like a complete curveball. It's like, what's this doing in here? So it's... I don't know, maybe Frida Kahlo needs to be a television series more than a film. There's there's a lot going on in the. Or or I think it's just more there needs to be more within the zeitgeist, maybe. Um, And it would be interesting to see what Mexican films, what kind of treatment Mm. Mexican films have done to her. Because I know she is very revered Mm. in Mexico. Yeah. Um, I I think also a really interesting uh, and important point to bring up as well about the politics Mm. is when this film starts, Mexico is two years out of its own um, uh, revolution. Mm. So the Mexican Revolution took place over a decade from 1910 to 1920. So things are only just starting to settle down when this film begins. Um, And although this film, you know, doesn't explicitly say that, you you get that in the atmosphere of this Mm. this film. And I think it did a really good job of capturing everyone's got these ideas and they've got very uh, sort of almost frenzied devotion to these ideas um about although that was just the 20s and 30s it's true to an extent yeah but um i, I feel like the film did a good job in grounding that but mm-hmm. i almost would have liked a little bit more of that i guess yeah. it, it is a really interesting topic and area and another thing i'm just thinking about now is we we don't spend that much time with frida actually making her art as a singular practice her yeah. art is always tied into her um, convalescing from various uh, yeah. accidents or things that happened to her um, which given that she was obviously dealing with the repercussions of the trolley accident for her whole life is kind of a neat way of tying mm. in art as therapy and art as the support mechanism for her mm. like, uh, yeah mm. this, this film does a lot of really clever things but it, it almost feels like it, it has missed a trick or two but I can't pin down what they are yeah mm. yeah um, little shout out for uh, Baby Diego Luna as well. Uh, Babyface Diego is her her first um, her first lover in the cupboard. Um, mm. So babyface, <laughs> I didn't. In the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even realize it was him until the last scene. He was in the film, and I was like, "Wait, that's Cassie and Andor." What's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that that looked a little awkward. It did. Um, and there's a blink and you miss it cameo from um, Antonio Banderas as well, mm. um, arguing in Being the, a great asshole. <laughs> yeah, in the party, almost gets shot, which was just <laughs> tremendous fun. 
Although yeah. the, that party frustrated me a little bit, partly not because necessarily because of the scene itself, but partly because I'm like, I know there are so many famous figures in that scene, but because of my very European centric art education, mm. I have no clue who any of them are. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm literally going to have to Google figure out who he was in that in that yeah. scene. Yeah, but th- there's a lot of quite small but good cameos in yeah. this film. Edward Norton as the Rockefeller kid. Yeah. Um, was like, oh, Edward Norton's in this? Great. Mm. And then, oh, Edward Norton's not in this anymore after about five that's minutes. It. Yep. It's like, oh, that's a shame. But yeah. And similarly, like Jeffrey Rush is a pretty big name for a pretty smallish role, really. Yeah. Impactful role. But um, maybe like four or five minutes of screen time, if that. Mm. Well, I, no doubt they said to him, Jeffrey, have you ever been to Mexico and visited the, um, what's the uh, the famous thing they were, the ruins they were visiting? Uh, it would have been the Aztec ruins. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, the yeah. opportunity to do this, Jeffrey. I'll be in. Those And those shots were really good. I, I, I will say, like, I really enjoyed the sequence of, of Trotsky and Frida climbing mm. um, the steps and then sitting at the top and then, him standing there with his arms out, being like, "I feel so free," <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, you've had you have had a hard time, Trotsky. Uh, you know, you enjoy it while you can." Yes, it's, it's not going to end well. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's it's a it's a strange film. I, I've I've just reading from my notes remembered that there was the um, stop motion skeleton montage after the trolley accident, mm. where she's seeing yeah. all of the medical workers as these sort of um, Day of the Dead Day style the Dead, yeah. Um, yeah. skeletons and. That was fabulous. I re- I really liked. Yeah, that. I think that was a very good, although very hard, um, uh, way of introducing how they were then going to keep introducing her artwork into the film. Mm. Um, I was like, yeah, of course, of course, that would that's what what her brain would be like and react to that mm. trauma. And like, maybe it's been something that she'd been doing all her life, but mm. at that one point it's really quite significant so so we all seem to be on the same page here and that mm. we've got an interesting film but a film that doesn't feel fully formed yeah um can i put it to you that because it's a miramax production because the weinsteins would have been involved mm. they are well known for taking editorial control of films mm. so do you think there's maybe a I, i'm wondering whether or not there was some fingers in this Maybe. I don't know the full story of. Mm. I don't know actually the full. I don't know the backstory of the making of this film. Mm. But it wouldn't surprise me if you know you had an interview. In fact, you probably should have watched them in commentary on this with mm. Julie Tamer saying, "Yeah, well, look. At the end of the day, I had to make these these concessions concessions to get my film on screen." Mm. Well. There were concessions, uh, and this is the part of the program uh, where we. Uh, there's an advisory warning oh, at the beginning of this program. Not, not the trivia, Stephen. No, it's not the trivia. It's the um, talking about the the elephant in the room. That is Harvey Weinstein um, being mm. um, the, the being executive. associated with this film. <laughs> yes, being the executive producer of this film, uh, and this being one of uh, many films in which there were allegations made against Weinstein of inappropriate and criminal behaviour. Um, so, essentially. Salma Hayek said that producer Harvey Weinstein threatened to shut down production during filming unless certain uh, of his demands were met, including um, her performing a full frontal nudity scene with another woman. 
So that scene in Paris, mm. with, where she's having her on with Josephine Baker, yes, yeah. is um, was was a Weinstein uh, stipulation mm. or demand. Um, Hayek felt she'd exhausted all other options and agreed to shoot the scene, but said it took a mental toll on her. On the day of shooting, she said that she basically um, had a nervous breakdown. My body began to shake uncontrollably my breath was short and i began to cry and cry unable to stop end quote it wasn't that she was uncomfortable about acting an intimate scene with another woman it was that she felt forced into it by weinstein yeah. uh perhaps in retaliation for her refusing his many sexual advances during production which was an ongoing thing oh, that happened with him yeah yeah um Sama Hayek had to actually sue Harvey Weinstein for breach of contract before the filming of the movie because he'd threatened to replace her with another actress, despite the fact that she had brought the project to him and Miramax with an agreement that she would produce and star in the film. Yeah. So, you know, this was Salma Hayek's sort of project. She mm. went to Miramax. Harvey was like, yep, but here are my stipulations. She ended up having to, like, sue him to get him to back down. And even after that, had the full frontal nudity scene yeah. there was also the fact that um during the test screening of the film uh, harvey weinstein got so enraged with it that he ripped up the audience scorecards and threw them at the director julie tamor uh, according to uh, selma hayek weinstein grew so violent that tamor's um, partner composer elliot goldenthal had to step in between them because he thought weinstein was going to physically hurt her um like i said this is not the fun bit this is the, no. the difficult thing around it uh on December the 12th, 2017, the New York Times published an article by Selma Hayek detailing uh, this abusive behaviour from Weinstein towards herself and Julie Taymor and the allegations of sexual misconduct, attempts to add sex to the film and refusal to support it once the film was finished. Hayek was quoted as saying, quote, It was clear to me he would never let me finish this movie without him having his fantasy one way or another. There was no room for negotiation. I had to say yes, end quote. On December the 14th, Weinstein issued a statement denying most of the accusations. Um, he did acknowledge that his behaviour towards Tamor at an early screening was boorish and that he had insisted on removing the unibrow Hayek had adopted to play the role. Uh, what? <laughs> not because he wanted the actress to have more sex appeal, but because, quote, it diverted attention from the performances, end quote. This statement was the first um, that Weinstein had made following a slew of a accusations from other actresses. Um, there's a lot to oh. unpack from that, but I think the thing that has Katrina grabbing her face currently is um, is Weinstein suggesting the removal of the eyebrow from Frida Kahlo, removing yeah. the monobrow. Hmm. Oh, I don't think he understood the project, <laughs> if that's the case. I I can imagine a fair amount of digital scrubbing going on, mm. can't you? Yeah, and uh, the more you hear about this guy, the the more it sounds bad. The more he sounds I'm... like a fun guy, doesn't yeah. he? It's it's just the... it is it's shocking because this this film also has yeah. Ashley Judd in it, and Ashley Judd was one of the ones who um, came out with accusations against him as well. And I I can't remember if it was this film or another one that um, yeah. She yeah, made yeah. those accusations about. Yeah, but it, like, it it is it is shocking, and it is bad. And you know, this is someone who we're talking about now who is in jail and will probably be in jail for the rest of his um, terrible, terrible life. Yeah, and that's a good thing, mm. I think. But despite that, I, I think now, sort of having seen the film, I, I do. 
that's just it. I do wonder how much of Weinstein's influence changed what this film was supposed to be. Yeah. Even if it was in because small details. As well, sometimes um, the pernicious thing about um, people like Harvey Weinstein, who are actually more common than a lot of people like to admit, mm. is they just have to do it once to a person to make the effects last for a very long time. Mm. And even to very, very powerful people. Like, you, you've got to have a lot of guts and determination to become a female director. Mm. Um, then, so, so then it might, ed- might have ended up that he didn't even need to do anything to the director to for her to go mm, actually maybe we need to do things a bit differently or things like that it's that kind of culture is so insidious um that it's very difficult when you step back and go oh this wasn't okay how was it allowed it's very hard to figure out how it was allowed because it's happened by millimeters. Mm. Mm. But I mean, it, it's mm. it's also look that that's what producers. Not I'm not saying in terms mm. of the um, sexual misconduct, but producers in Hollywood control pictures, and yeah. you know too often they don't trust what the director has done and decide to put their own stamp on it. Mm. Hence the you know the what became common usage in early um, home media releases on DVD. You know, now you can see the director's cut. Yeah. Because I wasn't allowed to do my cut initially. Um, so, yeah, the sexual harassment bit aside, it, you know, it, it's not necessarily just that. It's what else he might have demanded that they mm. do to this film because he's controlling the checkbook. Yeah. And you get to the point where you think, how many potentially really good films out there are ruined because you've got a controlling figure who has the final say yeah. on these things? And it, and it's just like in and it's just like as well how many particularly thinking about Weinstein, hmm. how many people, actors, actresses, directors, whatever. Hmm have not had a career because Harvey Weinstein got their sight, got his sights on them. And I would agree and it would be far easier for him to yeah. to bully a woman because, number yeah. one, he's not going to have... Um, he's not going to treat a man that way, is he? Mm. I mean, I can't, you don't hear too many stories of Quentin Tarantino saying, I had an awful time with Harvey. Mm. No, you don't. Mm. But you hear a lot of stories from Uma Thurma. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And or, or Julie Tamer or, or, mm. or Selma Hayek or Ashley Judd or whoever. Yeah. And I, I, I suppose it's, it, it's an interesting thing to discuss as well. I mean, we, we selected this film for, for International Women's Day um, to, to talk about this, to look at women in film as yeah. well. You know, this is a biopic of a famous female artist. It is directed by one of the preeminent female directors. Mm. Um, still today, Julie Tamer is still yeah. right up there. It's obviously got, um, you know, great um, female performers in this. 
and about a very mm. interesting and dynamic female yeah. figure. But entirely sort of affecting this production mm-hmm. and indeed probably affecting how we look back on it as well. Yeah. Is is this figure of, of Harvey Weinstein and, and ultimately that, that that thing that it comes back to with with the role of women in contemporary art is the 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 unnecessary limitations of their capacity through the control and power of male figures. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, it's a misogyny, isn't it? Just coming mm. out and saying, I don't trust you to do the job that mm. you are paid to do mm. because you're a woman. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and as I say, I think you have to, you have to say that's what he was thinking. Not only how can I control this production and control these, the you know these these, these women, but forcing his um, influence on on them both artistically and sexually in a way that he, as I say, he would never do with a with a male director. And it almost feels quite telling that a lot of this film is framed around women in Diego's life dealing with Diego. Now, now yes. Diego is not um, portrayed in any way. I'm not saying that Diego Rivera was the Harvey Weinstein of Mexican art, but but no. in terms of you, you have these, you have this difficult man mm. who is um, unfaithful. He sleeps around. He's been married multiple times and you have that that great scene in the kitchen with with Frida and with um Diego's now ex-wife yeah where she teaches um Frida about making his favorite meal mm. and kind of like tips and tricks for how to deal with this yeah this oppressive force in their life an oppressive force that in this case they 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 love, they love. But... and you know that you know Diego is a flawed character but is shown i think throughout the film to not be completely irredeemable mm. by any stretch but it, it does feel as though looking on it with with the Weinstein connection it almost feels as though it's commentary on that I yes and no mm. I would say um I I think yeah that definitely colors it and I would say I that's one of the relationships her and the ex-wife mm. that I would be really keen if another film was done to see that develop mm. because they obviously developed a friendship mm. um, and out past their connection with Diego. Mm. Um, but I think also that whole interaction, I'm not, I'm, my thoughts on this aren't fully formed. Mm. Um, it was just, it, it the party scene in particular and after they get married just kind of reminded me of some comments that I've read from women who were part of those political groups in the 60s, mm. uh, like the sexual revolution and everything, and how the sexual revolution for women wasn't a great thing mm. because it meant that they just had to put out to more men. Mm. Um whilst patriarchy and slut shaming and things like that can be very damaging and problematic and 
that kind of patriarchy can be very useful to to women to help protect themselves mm. because although it can be damaging for women who want to go out and experience that it can also be damaging for men who pray, who try to convince women mm. um usually the 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 damage isn't equal but it's a technique that women can use to protect themselves um and i'm not entirely sure how i'm merging ideas with this but it, it just made me think the the whole film made me think this is a woman who who is obviously jumping around the sexuality spectrum and the gender spectrum as we saw early in the film mm. and clearly loves this man um but also is still trying to figure out herself in a society that may or may not help her and she's she's probably one of the early well she'd be one of the early queer icons and things like that and the unfortunate thing about being one of the early ones is you have to go through a lot of crap mm. i say this as if i as if i know what it's like um but yeah a lot of figuring out and from from distance from historical distance it doesn't always look very good or i i yeah i don't i think they hit the right mark in making in how they address diego obviously me saying this without knowing that much about him in that yeah he was a bit of they didn't know how to deal with each other, I mm. think. I think probably if they were people alive today, maybe they'd be into polyamory and then it'd be all about communication and things like that. Um, they'd probably be on Instagram. <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. Well, they're probably both finding their way because yeah. it was, it was a, I suppose, a fairly nascent thing back then mm. to um, to move outside those sort of norms of, yeah. you know, yeah. um, fidelity and, you know, one partner for life type of thing, yeah. particularly I guess in Mexico, which I imagine would be a very religious country. It is fairly. Um, but then, whether or not you can um, say, well, you know, everyone was like that, when in fact, mm. you know, maybe within the, the 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 groups they moved in, this was an everyday occurrence. Yeah. You know that yeah. that yeah. who, and who I, knows? And I think I think they do show that. Mm. I, um, I could definitely imagine Carlo in the modern day. Yeah. being you know very active on a social media platform and being very much about like women being able to expose their breasts online except the hashtag would be called free the nipple instead of <laughs> three the nipple very good Steve. thank very you very good. much uh now would you guys like some trivia some buddies? happy trivia some happy trivia yes, uh, now like we've uh, navigated <laughs> is, is there any happy trivia there is a little okay. <laughs> yeah I, I must admit a lot of the trivia was uh, Weinstein-focused, as it probably should be. Um, but there are some other bits uh, which don't deal with that sack of shit. So, yeah. uh, all of the remaining trivia is sourced from IMDb. If it's not true, don't blame me. First of all... Blame Stephen. Yes. Uh, Frida Kahlo's niece uh, was so impressed with the film, she gifted Selma Hayek one of Kahlo's necklaces. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So, at the very least, one of her family members who was around to yeah. see the film was like... Yep, that that's anti Frida, all right. <laughs> and and Gabe, how cool would that be? Though? Yeah, that'd be amazing because I think it, I think it does show that this it is a very loving portrait hmm. of Frida and of Diego, even though he does do some not very nice things. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think that just goes to show. Oh come on, she screwed Trotsky for God's sake. Well, I mean, he was the like if you were going to screw any of those revolutionaries, <clears throat> Trotsky is probably the one to go for because he wasn't a complete dick and didn't end up being a genocidal mass murderer. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, and and. Probably only because he, he didn't win would be my argument. No, actually, I from from what I understand of Trotsky, he probably wouldn't. It would have taken him a lot to go down that route. True. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Um, secondly, Chavela Vargas, who sings a song uh, La Llorona, um, who I believe is the personification of death in mm. this film. Um, when that that uh, performer who sings that to Frida in a bar knew the real Frida Kahlo, <gasps> and was one of the people with which she had an affair. Oh, mm. wow. So that, yeah, that, that old person at the end who's like dressed as death and has is in the bar with her mm. as Trotsky's getting assassinated, knew Frida Kahlo. And That's I'm just so thinking, cool. if you're that person, how weird would that be to be with someone like dressed as like mm. this this person you knew 50 years ago? Well, it's like, in, in a, in, well, in a, a not as nice comparison, that's like during Schindler's List, um, mm. once, who's it, Ralph? Is it Ralph Fiennes? Ralph okay. Fiennes, yeah. yeah. Um, he apparently re-traumatised some old uh, Holocaust survivors because he looked so much like Schindler. Oh, wow. Or it might have been... No, sorry. Not it might have been Fiennes. another actor in, yes. in that film. Either way, yeah. some Holocaust victims got, got re-traumatised by that film. Well, yes. Uh, this was probably yeah. nicer than that. Yes. So, uh, uh, well done, uh, this film, for, for yes. not traumatising... World War II survivors. Uh, The final bit of trivia is um, another person who was a big fan of Frida Kahlo and was reportedly keen to make a biopic around the same time playing the role was Madonna. Oh. Now, that's that's pretty bad. (laughs) But do you want to know who her first choice would have been to play Diego Rivera? Oh, who? Madonna. Sean Penn? Was it? Tom Cruise. Not Sean Penn, not Tom Cruise. Madonna in uh, the the 90s when she was like, yeah, I'd love to do this, uh, would have cast Marlon Brando as uh, Diego Rivera. (laughs) Hmm. Well, he would have struggled by that stage to actually get off a couch. Mm. Um, He could have done later years. Diego, Diego yeah. maybe because I mean I, I must admit I thought Alfred Molina looked a little bit Brando-y at the mm. end of, at the end of the yeah. film. But uh, yeah, we, yeah, I this, can understand the look. Yeah, this film could have been the Madonna Marlon Brando Frida oh. film, mm, the one that we all wanted to see. Yeah. Oh. No, it might have been a bit sort of different if J Lo had been uh, cast as well. Potentially, J Lo was someone who had expressed an interest in playing too yeah. much see, booty. I, I too much like, booty. No, no, no. I feel like JLo, she's she's an, she's actually a decent actor. Mm. Um, when put in a good film, yeah. Um, would she have done this justice? Maybe not. Mm. And then there is also the issue of I'm not entirely sure of her ethnicity, but I'm pretty sure she's not Mexican, mm. um, or of Mexican heritage. Um, and although that's more a concern that we have nowadays, like even 20 years ago, that wasn't much of a concern. I think it's I think it's very significant S- that. So Salma Hayek We're all played. going to leave here and go out and find pictures of Madonna and J-Lo and start sketching unibrows on them. I mean, you can if you want to, Murray. Yeah. You're, you're an adult and we, we won't stop you. No. Um, but we may question you, but we won't stop you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious to see what it would look like. Mm. 
But yes, uh, Jennifer Lopez was born in the Bronx, uh, in in New York. Yeah, but um, I think she's of Puerto Rican descent. Uh, yes, her parents are both from Puerto Rico. Yeah. So yeah, not not Mexican, but um, at least well, it's at least not Madonna. It's not Madonna. Yeah. It's not Anna Taylor Joy, yes. <laughs> as, as I'm afraid might happen any day because she must oh. be in every film. Um, I, and I like her, but I'm just yeah. worried she's going to get put in something she shouldn't be in. Um, she's going to go down perhaps the, the miniseries of Frida. Who knows? Yeah, she's going to go down the Scarlett Johansson route. Yeah, let's let's not. Yeah. Uh, so all that remains is for us to score the film. And Katrina, you get to go first because it was your first time watching Frida. What would you give this film out of ten? Um, even though we have highlighted some issues with it, I think it is it is a beautiful film. And I think it's something that I would rewatch. Um, maybe not straight away, but with Drag it out another twenty years. Mm, yeah. No, maybe maybe a bit sooner than that. Maybe on a night where I'm like, Hey, partner, my partner, um like let's watch cowboy. Let's watch met. something. <laughs> hey, I mean, I mean, you know, you both those, know Scott. On, on, on those respond. nights when Scott says, "You know, I'd really like to watch a uh, a film about a Mexican lady visionary." Mm. Well, more when I'd go, "Hey, this is the artist that you didn't know who who I was talking about." Mm. I would definitely put that on. Um, and this this film makes me kind of want to go read more about her. Mm. So for taking all of that into account i will give this eight um unibrows out of ten excellent forming a sort of octo brow with eight, yes. eight brows yes. on top of each other yeah. uh murray what what about you yeah um look uh, i it, it, this yeah i struggled to remember too much about this film when i i, I put my hand up i said yes i had seen it but I couldn't remember a great deal about it. Mm. The thing that concerns me is in another two, three years, whether or not I'll be back to the same position where mm. I don't remember a lot about it. Mm. And that's because I think as beautiful a film as it is and as good as the performances that are there, it's very disjointed and there's nothing to really hold me to it. It, it could also be because... Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a really feminist film and I'm showing my shortcomings by not embracing it. I don't know. But I don't know if it's something I'm going to leap back to anytime soon. I might drag it out another 20 years and, and give it another revisit. I think my challenge to you is go learn a bit more about Frida Kahlo or at the very least her but there, artwork. I, I have a feeling that might actually make it worse for me. You think so? Mm, mm, possibly. Maybe. Well, that could be something to experiment with I, I certainly might look at a bit more of her art and, mm. and, and see if I can pick out something from that mm. uh, look uh, all around um, fine enough film I don't think I think it glosses over a lot of her life I think it takes us too quickly through some stuff I think it it doesn't take us quickly enough through other stuff mm. I will give it um, six and a half um, uncomfortable corsets out of ten they they were very uncomfortable Mm. Well, they were made out of metal. real big, <laughs> solid bits of metal. Yeah, I think when it's medicinal like that, comfort is uh, not the top concern. No. Um, I quite like this film, but I, I, I do feel as though um, it has some issues of focus, um, mm. some issues of that through line. But there's some stunning visuals in it. That, that, that image of um, young Frida Kahlo after the trolley crash with the gold sort of yeah. dust falling and she's covered in blood. 
I even said, I'm like, ah, now we can tell Julie Taymor directed this. And it's got moments like that, but they're quite few and far between. Um, lovely performances. I, I love anything with Alfred Molina in it. He's, mm. he's superb. Um, Salma Hayek is, is outstanding in this film. But there's... It is missing something. It it is missing a certain something. It's a it's a, I, I, to be honest, it's probably missing, Frida. It's missing um more of her. I think yeah. there's so much from this person um that that she did in her life and that she contributed and that that could make for interesting biopic material. Um, that I think she's quite difficult to adapt, and I think this film does a good job, but not a great job. So uh, I'm going to give it. Seven um, blue budgie regards escaping a crash trolley out of ten because <laughs> I was really concerned about that little bird when when it looked like that crash was happening. But I think they were okay. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, so Katrina and Murray, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us, Stephen. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Uh, we have. A Patreon, that's right, patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. Uh, you can get bonus features and goodies there. Uh, you can also help us pick films as we go throughout the year. So if you want to sign up, you can join for as little as a dollar a month. Mm-hmm. We are also available to be found on Facebook in terms of social media platforms. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there, like the page, and you can get news and updates. And there is uh, also the small matter of the fact that we do an episode each and every week. Um, we are about to hit five years actually of this program Uh, and we will be doing a um a fifth birthday episode um uh reviewing a film as is tradition the podcast would be in school by now the podcast would be in school by now i'd be i would have known what school zone uh, i needed to move to (laughs) to let this podcast grow up if you want to go back and listen to any of our previous 250 plus episodes um by all means do they're there they're free they're on the internet go get them uh, just search for us on itunes soundcloud and spotify and while you're there if you're like you know what i want to hear what's coming up like and subscribe as the youtubers say in fact because it's uh, a podcast you don't even need to like just subscribe just search for us there hit the subscribe button and you'll get a new episode each and every week but that is all for this episode so until next time goodbye adios buenos dias You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.